Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you for listening and making commitment to your learning. We hope you are doing well. We're your hosts. I'm Yvonne Brandenburg, joined by the late on a Monday night, <laughs> Jordan Porter. Hi. Good evening. We also haven't talked in two weeks. Is it only slash... It's been that long, two weeks? <sighs> um, yeah, I think so. I think it's been, because yeah, yeah, I moved in about 10 days ago. So maybe, maybe it's been a little bit longer. Dang, that's crazy. I'm thoroughly exhausted. And oh, just I'm sure. Still just struggle bussing to catch up. Oh my God. I know, because you were crazy. You didn't take any time off uh-uh. for a move, right? No, Matt took time off, so... Uh, I took, I got a day off. I took a Monday off, um, Girl. just cause we happened to be slow that day. And, um, yeah, no, I've been constantly like today I got home from work, took Bailey to gymnastics, which is like 30 minutes away. Now came back home, finished setting up Connor's room. Finally went back to pick up Bailey. And now I'm here <laughs> recording this. Yep. It's uh, Monday night at nine 30 for Jordan. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We tried Nothing like last minute. There was just so much going on yesterday. We couldn't get it done. No. Nope. And then both of us worked today and it's yep. just like crazy, but we were like, Nope, we got to get on the computer. So yeah. We're back. Yesterday, yesterday I cleaned and cleaned and cleaned and helped build the fence. And I still need to find my microphone. So I'm on my headphones right now. Um, so it probably sounds a little different than normal. Also, this room is echoey. Cause yeah, I don't have, well, I mean, you don't have anything in there yet, so it definitely sounds like you've just moved in, which that's okay. You'll get yes. there. Yeah. It, it's getting there. This is going to be like the last room that's finished probably. Yeah. That makes sense. Unfortunately, we'll let you get the rest of your house in order first. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's got to rebuild my desk. Um, the top of it's back there. Um, oh, I was wondering what that was back there. I couldn't quite tell. I'm like, there's a lot of lumber back there. Yeah. That's, that's the top part of my desk. So I'm on my little desk now. Oh, that's no fun. I'm sorry. It's all right. <sighs> yeah. I can't believe it's been two weeks. I know. Tell me about it. How's your two weeks been? (laughs) It's been insane. It's been insane. Uh, I just, I, 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 I don't know. (laughs) Like so overwhelmed with everything going on. Like it's, you know, the new job, which anytime you get a new job, like your brain just works differently because everything's new. And so there's been a lot of commuting involved, which I really wasn't doing previously. Um, and I'm like, just so tired when I get home and I can't think of anything, but we had, 
I mean, we had our Royal Canaan presentation this Saturday, which was cool. Yeah. Got my um, crap together for that. Yeah. <laughs> <Phew>. <laughs> <laughs> we, we managed to get together for that. Um, which that was, that was fun. Like you weren't even on your, were you on your computer that day or I were was, you just on your but- phone? Oh, okay. I had to like, well, currently I'm also hot spotting my phone because I still have no internet. So oh, 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 I'm I, sorry. I should have internet by Wednesday. Okay. Oh man, Hopefully. I'm sorry. It's all right. Oh yeah. Speaking of internet, uh, my router took a crap in the middle of this. So I had to like scramble to get one in the last two weeks. And you don't realize how much is actually connected to your Wi-Fi until you have to get a new router and then you have to reconnect everything. And I was just like, bah, I like, I'm still randomly finding things that I was like, Oh yeah, that's right. You were supposed to be connected to that. So that's been fun. Yeah. Yeah, Like everything needs your new Wi-Fi password. Yeah. 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 And like, I just, it's just, yeah, I could use a little bit of a break and um, I'm so behind on a gazillion things. And I'm just like, oh my God, what? I just need like, I just need a couple of days of not feeling overwhelmed to get kind of caught up and not feel as overwhelmed. I mean, I'm, I'll still be overwhelmed, but maybe a little bit less. <sighs> Legit. I feel the exact same way. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I need a, I need a fairy to come in like a fairy godmother to come in and just swoop things off my plate that I will protest about. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) we can hit the reset button when I come out um, in a few weeks. Oh my God, I know. And that's the other thing. Like, you're going to be here in two weeks. And I'm like, I need to be ready for you to be here. (laughs) She's like, no. No, No, you don't have have to do anything special. (laughs) Um, I mean, I have to clean up. I have to have a space for you. I'm I'm low maintenance, so. (laughs) I mean, that's true. Uh, that'll be such a fun weekend though. Hopefully crazy shit doesn't happen that weekend. Who knows? Who knows? Legit. At this point, who knows? So anyway, <sighs> but we do have some housekeeping this week, um, yeah. which we've, we've been getting a lot more people like reaching out to us, emailing and stuff, which is nice. I really like it. Yeah, definitely. It this cracks is, me up because um, I was messaging with someone on Facebook and they're like, I love your podcast. I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. And I was like, oh my God, stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny when people do that. I'm like, I'm not that cool at all. But guys. like, I get it because like, I totally fangirl over like when we talk to T- Tasha and Vet Tech Kelsey and stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. I totally fangirled over that. It's really funny because it's kind of along the same lines. Um, one of the girls who is now in my department, because there's four of us, woo, um, she used to be one of my former students. Mm-hmm. So she's like, Mrs. Brandenburg. And I'm like, stop it. <laughs> like, my name is Yvonne. And she's like, I can't, I can't do it. And I remember when I like saw one of my old teachers in the real world, I, I had a hard time saying her first yeah. name too. I'm like, nope. No. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I have to, I have to, you know, she hasn't said my name since I said that. So I think she's just avoiding a name altogether, but I'll break her of that habit. <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of funny. 
We did we get have a review. Yeah, we got a review this week um, from J Lee K ninety three um, says informational and entertaining. <laughs> Love every episode. Thank you, ladies, and keep up the great work. I have recommended this podcast to several aspiring ER RVTs. This info is still very applicable applicable to ER care. Yeah. It is kind of funny because, um, like, my husband, he'll talk to me about the podcast occasionally, and he's, you know, he's not he's not in the veterinary world. And I go, yeah, it's, it's cool because, you know, people in ER, like, tell us that it works for them, and people in, like, general practice and kids in school kids like you know adults in school <laughs> baby times um, kids great the kids the kids of our of our generation like the baby goats yeah exactly um so it is kind of fun because i don't know like you don't have to be in internal medicine to deal with internal medicine subjects so yeah well i think it's so common too that it's just like Everybody can get a little taste of something. Yeah. Yeah. So true. (laughs) So what are we talking about this week since I didn't do the notes? We are jumping into hemophilia this week. Um, I think we have just a couple more in our blood series. Like this is like our continuing blood series episodes. So this is going to be about hemophilia the types that there are and kind of how it affects our patients. Um, I think it's really important to kind of remember we did the episode um, way back when now, uh, episode 23, which is the coags balancing hemostasis, where we did talk quite a bit about just coagulation in general. So we talked about like the intrinsic and extrinsic pathways and everything. So you know, just as a reminder, <laughs> that's probably a good episode to listen to for, for some basics on this. Cause we, we touched on it. So we're going to build on it here. Definitely. So, uh, one of the things about hemophilia is that it's an inherited coagulopathy. So what that means is the, the genes in our patients that have this, they're from, they're from their parents and their mutations. Um, and this is going to be the genes that are responsible for synthesis or processing of active, um, coagulation factors. So typically when we're talking about intrinsic pathway, the factors that, um, are going to be affected by, um, inheritance is going to be factor seven, factor 11, nine. It's so funny that it goes like not in normal order, but Great. seven, nine, 11, and eight. Let me just start that over again. Cause I don't know why it was written like that. Seven, eight, nine, and 11. <laughs> there we go. Honestly, they're probably in order of like prevalence. Yeah. Um, but, but come on, you just put them in numerical order for the dorks that we are. So, um, speaking of Cornell, uh, if you go to Eclund Path, again, if you have not gone in Eclund Path for any of this stuff, you need to. They're so good. They're so good at all this. They break it down and they have such great resources. So definitely check them out. My coworkers and I were playing on their website the other day um, with their, mm. they have like, had, they have like just this test your skills kind of thing on there. Oh, I don't know if I yeah. found that spot. Yeah. So it, it was interesting. You're like, ooh. 
<laughs> like, Basically. maybe not. Um, one of the things about these inherited coagulopathies, they're typically found on the X chromosome. So they're sex linked um, and they're typically in males. Um, and so that's usually where we will see them. <clears throat> you can see them in females. They're usually just carriers, but um, that plays into breathing. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, the degree of how severely these patients are affected depends on, um, you know, what, how much they're deficient. And then um, that determines how much of a bleeding tendency they will be. Um, so again, the more deficient you are in it, the more you're going to bleed, which totally makes sense, really. For hemophilia, our differential diagnosis for bleeding things is going to be all the bleeding things. So, you know, we got to rule out toxins. We got to rule out um, platelet deficiencies, um, uh, DIC, all those fun things. So just when we're thinking about it, you know, we do need to real, rule out all of those. And we talked about that in episode 23 as well. So yeah, you got to rule out heat stroke and stuff too. Oh yeah. Did we tell, was it last week that we talked about heat stroke? I don't know. In the last couple of weeks, we talked about it. The last couple of weeks. Cause that was when I had that patient, um, that heat stroke patient. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about, um, three, three of the deficiencies. So, um, so it's usually like described by the factor that's deficient and then they call it hemophilia A, B, and C. We're going to talk about those. Um, all right. So hemophilia A is a factor eight deficiency. Um, and so factor eight's also called anti-hemophiliac factor, which is hilarious. Um, because if you are deficient, you are hemophilia. Um, so this is the most common inherited deficiency in dogs and cats. It's actually also been recognized in several breeds of horses, including Arabs, standard breads, thoroughbreds, and quarter horses, which is crazy. I can't even imagine a horse having protein or not protein, but clotting issues. And then Hereford cattle, which is crazy. So anyways, dogs, cats, horses, cows, and people too. Um, it is a spontaneous mutation in that gene lies on the X chromosome. So again, males are usually affected by maternal transmission while females tend to be asymptomatic carriers. <clears throat> the, um, if you do have a female that is born with this line, it just usually means they're a carrier. Um, but if you, this, this is how it comes about is that you have an effective male and a, a carrier female that you're going to have the hemophiliac. So kind of crazy. I like the little chart that you have here about like the severity of, yeah. I mean, cause crazy? it's all dependent on the degree of deficiency, right? So mm -hmm. obviously mild cases are, what is that? Six to 20% of coagulant activity. So factor eight doing its actual job. So moderate severity is two to 5% of factor eight doing its job. And then severe is less than 2% of factor eight, which I can't imagine. 
So they can get like spontaneous hematomas in the, in the sub Q area um, within their joints, which out. I didn't even know this was a thing. I like when I was reading and I'm like hemarthrosis, I was like blood in your joint. That sounds so incredibly painful. It does sound painful. inflammatory. Yeah. And then you can even get um, like body cavity effusions. That's hemorrhagic um, when disease is severe enough. So And then of course there's like excessive hemorrhage with traumatic events. So like losing puppy teeth, um, spaying or neutering, just any type of elective surgery. Um, and that can happen in dogs with hemophilia A, regardless of the, the severity of the disease. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. Um, a lot of what they were saying is depending on how severely they're affected. Right. And it is just kind of similar to the Von Willebrands that we talked about. Um, if they're more, the more severe they're affected, obviously littler things set them off. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're not as affected, so maybe they're a mild that those are the weird ones where, you know, post spay, you see the bleeding, but they didn't have any bleeding issues before. So, um, I do, I definitely, we talked about this in like one of our episodes. I do wonder how many of our like post-op, like scrotal hematomas or, you know, something else is actually, you know, maybe a mild coagulation, oh, or, yeah. um, you know, deficiency instead of bad owners that aren't, you know, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, so I wonder I, how I many times, like we even slightly overlook it, you know, those young dogs mm-hmm. that you draw blood on and you do get a hematoma. You're like, that's weird. It was a good stick, yeah. but like, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Anyway, um, dogs with a milder deficiency can definitely demonstrate like more subtle symptoms. Um, and like Yvonne said, those can go kind of unrecognized, um, like losing baby teeth where it's, it bleeds excessively, but not scarily, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. And it's one of those things, like, especially if like you're an, you're non-experienced dog owner. Yeah. Like if a, if a tooth fell out and my dog's tooth, like if it bled afterwards, if I didn't know any better, I'd probably be like, oh yeah. Okay. He just lost a tooth. He's bleeding. Of course he's bleeding and not really think about it. If it's just like a mild case, right. Yeah. Obviously, if it was severe and it was like bleeding a lot, I would notice. But I think some of those mild ones probably just don't blip on anybody's ra- radar, yeah. right? Like it's just like okay, whatever. Oh. Yeah, and then um, oh man, that hemoarthrosis. Yeah, like they can have shifting leg lameness, which I feel like that's like almost obvious, right? Like it's yeah, because that's got to be a painful. Lot of times, a lot of times it gets mistaken for either infectious or IMPA or OCD because more, young dogs get OCD. Yeah. That's true. Interesting. True. Yeah. So, um, some dogs, uh, may even like reach breeding age, <laughs> depending on how they're affected and whether or not you notice any traumatic events. And then we propagate that genetic deficiency even further. And kind of a fun fact on that one is a majority of the German shepherd dogs that we see with hemophilia A, they actually think it was from one male dog in Germany that was used as a sire for a lot of dogs just because he was 
a champion and he was really desirable. So they think that it can't like the fact that so many German shepherds have the hemophilia A issue comes from this one dog that just bred a ton. Well, then you got to think too, if, if that dog bred, they probably bred his sons Mm -hmm. too. And then, so just like, well, and, and the other thing too, is like, you know, are you doing crossbreeding or are you doing interbreeding? You know, it's like, cause that whole, like, are you breeding daughters to grandfather, you know? Yeah. Keep it in the line, blah, blah, blah. So you're making it even worse. <laughs> so in cats, cause we can't forget about cats. Um, the interesting thing about cats is they can have just like hematomas that just randomly come up. Um, but because they're so light and agile, a lot of times they, they don't seem to experience that severe hemorrhage, um, except following like a trauma or surgery situation, which they think small breed dogs. So like Yorkies and stuff like that might actually, it might be something very similar because they're so little, they're not putting the pressure on so many places. So again, you may not catch it <laughs> until there's an issue. Um, I'm curious as to how many of these, like, I'm thinking back to my GP days now right? and like how many oral hematomas we saw and like, mm-hmm. you know, how many of them would like come back after the drain was removed? Yeah. Interesting. How crazy. Right. Cause it's not like you're routinely testing for this stuff at all. No, not you're, at all. you're only going to test it if you're suspicious of a bleeding issue. And if it's a mild bleeding, you know, it, it yeah, I don't know. Crazy. Like, I just wonder like how many times it, it does get missed. Yeah. It's interesting. So in horses. Oh, we're even talking about horses. Uh, wow. We're stepping yeah, out of our zone. I know we're, we're spreading out into a large animal internal medicine. Um, Colts usually die at or after birth just because of that severe hemorrhage. Um, and then if you have a mare that has a history of several male foals with hemorrhage related death, um, she really should be checked out for being a carrier for hemophilia A. I feel like she Um, should be checked out prior to several males being (laughs) like born dead. Yes. I know. I'm like, huh, how, how does, okay. I mean, I guess, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess large animals just different. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's true. And who knows? I mean, it's one of those things where like, I'm sure they don't think about it until it's, you know, they're just like, oh, bummer. All right. Well, she lost the baby. You know, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. I guess maybe it's more common in large animal than I'm aware of. So it's not one of those things. Yeah, I don't know how common it is, girl. I know no. nothing of large animal. <laughs> I was very impressed that we have any large animal information in this episode. <laughs> um, so uh, deficiency in factor eight, so hemophilia A, can cause prolonged APTT and ACT, which is funny because. I can't even tell you the time I did an ACT test. It's been forever. I haven't done um, an ACT, but I know that with hemophilia A in cats, like because they're so thin and agile and they don't typically show symptoms of it, 
Like mm-hmm. it's so common for cats to have a prolonged APTT and like nobody, like it is what it is. It's fine. Hmm. Yeah. Um, specific diagnosis uh, for hemophilia A versus some of the other ones um, does require a specific factor activity in coagulation assays. We're sending out special tests for this guys. <laughs> um, we talked about, so basically if, if the patient comes up with less than 20% normal activity for factor eight, it's considered a hemophilia A. Um, so most of these dogs usually are less than 6%. So moderate to defeat, uh, to severe. Wow. I know. Right. I'm like, that's kind of crazy. Poor German um, shepherds. right. Uh, so the other thing too, um, when we're talking about this, it typically like the Von Willebrand's factor in these patients tend to be normal or greater than normal. So, you know, it's, it, I wonder if like the body's making up for it, you know, like it doesn't have that factor, but it makes up for it with the other one. I don't know. The other thing too, is like, if it's not being used appropriately, it's probably storing some of it. So, um, typically they are, um, we try to identify them, but unfortunately young animals. So under six months old, it's hard sometimes to really read the results just because it can, it can be affected by how young they are. So, um, we usually suggest to test them again later if we're suspicious, um, treatment for hemophilia A is similar to Von Willebrand's. Um, you're going to do repeated fresh frozen plasma, um, fresh plasma or cryoprecipitate two to three times a day until that bleeding is under control. So hopefully, hopefully the bleeding is quick, but you know, we have to look at it. And then similar to Von Willebrand's, um, like last episode we talked about, um, plasma and cryoprecipitate transfusions are preferred due to the possible sensitization of animals to the red blood cells. Um, So just, you know, don't give them whole blood. It's better to give plasma. But if it's an emergency situation and they're bleeding out, you're probably going to want whole blood then too. Um, cryoprecipitate is generally more effective, um, rather than fresh or frozen, uh, fresh frozen plasma for hemophilia, hemophilia A. So if you can do cryo, it's better, but if you don't have it, use what you got. Um, and then, you know, of, there was a study, it was a small study, but it demonstrated that prognosis was fair for these guys. Um, even that of the larger breed dogs still considered fair, Um, so yes, they, they are affected by, or they suffer from recurring hemorrhages, but with transfusion therapy, they can live a fairly normal life. So, you know, this is one of those situations where we're talking to clients and we're explaining to them what this means long-term And just making sure they understand that it's really important to minimize trauma in these patients. Hemophilia B. 
Boop, boop. So this is factor nine or the Christmas factor. I still don't know why it's called Christmas factor. I don't get it, but I love that it's called the Christmas factor. Hmm. Like was it Dr. Christmas? Cause everything's named after a doctor, right? Like Mr. That's Christmas. True. I don't know about a Mr. Christmas, but it could be. Um, so this is also X-linked uh, hemorrhagic disorder. So similar to factor seven or factor eight, which is hemophilia A. Um, it, again, primarily affects males, but in, inbred females that are homozygous can also potentially have it. And this is when we made an effective male to a carrier female. So it is possible to happen. Um, so just because it's a girl doesn't mean they can't have hemophilia B. Um, about why it's called the Christmas factor. <clears throat> oh, why? Why is it called Christmas factor? So it's named after the first person diagnosed with a disorder back in 1952, a boy named Stephen or Stefan Christmas. Huh. So his name was Christmas. Yep. All right. Yeah. So hemophilia B is not nearly as common as hemophilia A. <clears throat> but it is, there's a lot of mixed breeds that are, that do come up with this. Some um, specific breeds like Labradors and German Shepherds are affected. And then there is a family of British short hairs and Siamese cross cats that also shows hemophilia in their line. So again, genetics, genetic diversity is a good thing. Um, but it, if you've it, got, it seems like hemophilia B is really only like if you get a severe case, so like activity mm -hmm. that's less than 1% of normal, um, which I guess puppies and kittens will die immediately following birth just due to excessive bleeding from the umbilical cord or the tail, um, from tail docking or dewclaw removal. Um, so that's, that's interesting that like, that's I guess you don't really see it until they're it's severe and then like <laughs> you're like yeah. well too bad yeah so but like it's not really recognized when there's levels between five and ten percent um it's not really recognized as being a hemophilia unless like there's a trauma or surgery that just triggers it to bleed more than normal yep same with um Hemophilia A, small dogs and cats can go unrecognized um, because again, they're lightweight and don't cause as much damage. Um, and I feel like with dogs, the little dogs are usually like indoors more and big dogs are running around getting into trouble. So they're more protected inside. Getting their oral hematomas. <laughs> You're right. Um, hemophilia Bs do typically have a prolonged APP, APTT. Um, so that's something, you know, we, we look for in clinic. Um, if you've got 40 to 60% of your Christmas tree factor, Christmas tree factor, look at you. Christmas on it. Factor. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hard to detect it. So again, under six years or six months of age, probably have to wait until they're, they're normal or until they're adults to figure out what is normal for them which sucks. Yeah. Um, but you can usually reevaluate those numbers between eight and 12 months. Yeah. 
purebreds like Lhasa opsos have been identified and there's a PCR-based genetic te um, testing that can look for the mutation. Treatment same as hemophilia A is fresh frozen plasma, fro uh, fresh plasma or cryoprecipitate or cryosupernatant actually um, for acute bleeding. And so we're going to look for that. Um, if, in, this is kind of crazy. So if you have an unchecked hemorrhage, so like they bump into something, you can actually have muscle necrosis from the pressure of that bleeding. You can have paralysis, seizures, or even hypovolemic shock. I feel like that one we all kind of think of, but some of these other things could be because they're, they're bleeding internally. Big deal. I know. All right. Last one. Here we go. This is factor 11. This is hemophilia C. Which is it rare. Is rare. I feel like all of them are rare, but this one's more rare. I'm assuming, well, I'm going to take my own <laughs> advice here and think that hemophilia A is probably more common than we think. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. I, I bet it goes unrecognized quite a bit, especially the ones that aren't severely affected, like those mild cases, Yeah, which is, which is a bummer because if they get bred, you know, you have to be very careful. If you don't look for it, you know, you could propagate it and make it even worse, which is bad. I just think of all those little indoor dogs, like my parents' dog, they don't go to the vet very often. So there's nothing like traumatic that would cause them to bleed right? and like, right. think it's an issue. Like there's a lot of yeah. those dogs in the world. Yeah. So hemophilia C has only been described in Springer Spaniels, Great Pyrenees, oh, Weimariner, yeah. and Kerry Blue Terrier breeds. That's no, it. Not my Great Pyrenees. <laughs> well, I think you've got some genetic diversity in there. <laughs> well, Mumu was um, part of his DNA test with some genetic testing and he didn't test positive for any of these diseases. Oh, there you go. Um, so hemophilia C is um, plasma thromboplastin antecedent, which is mm. kind of crazy to say. So basically that just means severe factor 11 deficiency. Uh, it's characteristically like they have minimal bleeding until trauma or surgery. So, you know, uh, spay or neuter. Um, so these guys can be have bleeding that may be delayed for up to four days after surgical procedure huh what falls right into that time frame jordan scrotal hematoma yeah dun, dun, dun. in fact actually um that's how we found one of our von willebrand's patient was the scrotal hematoma scrotal hematoma yep came to us they couldn't figure out uh they i I think they almost went back in surgery and they're like, let's do some testing first. And they were like, Oh crap. He's actually Von Willebrand's. Um, so kind of the same idea. Like it may be like, you know, those, those hemo abdomens like post spay, mm -hmm. you know, they're like, Oh, he must've not have, you know, tied it off properly. It's possible. They're just, you know, bleeding, bleeding. So, yeah. Um, they, it is an autosomal, so um, males and females can be affected, um, but we don't, and they don't really know 
if this gene is dominant or recessive, because again, it's, it's fairly rare. So there's just not as much, you know, research on it. So typically their levels are 30 to 40% of normal. They typically have prolonged APTTs. And then um, they, again, kind of like the other ones, fresh frozen plasma, fresh plasma, and cryo supernatant is going to help with them. Um, in people, the hemorrhage that they see is um, attributed to excessive fibrinolysis. Hmm. Fibrinolysis. I can never say that one. <laughs> That's like the one I can't say. I know. <laughs> so fibrinolysis. And um, so that just means that they're breaking down those clots really fast. Uh, so, you know, it's interesting. It's like, so if you're deficient in um, factor 11, you know, why is it that it's breaking down faster? So hmm. um, the, there is a thought process that because the coagulation is not amplified by thrombin, which is usually part of the um, pathway that's activated with factor 11, that that small amount of thrombin is insufficient to activate the fibrinolytic inhibitor. So it may be that it just doesn't trigger the pathway appropriately. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so it's it not telling the fibro- fibrinolytic inhibitor to like stop doing stop. its job, stop yep. breaking down the clots too soon. Uh huh. So that's part of the reason why they're thinking that the hemorrhage can be seen several days after the procedure, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, it's also been shown in Holstein cattle and it's autosomal recessive in cattle. And then, um, same with like dogs and people it can show spontaneous bleeding, um, or, you know, trauma or surgery, like dehorning again, glad I don't have to deal with that. Right. So yeah, some hemophilia is here for you. Um, we, you know, we talked about Von Willebrand's being a factor. Now we talked about, make sure I get this right. Eight, nine and 11. So it's crazy because I mean, it makes sense that issues with any of these factors are going to be a problem and, and that you can have disruption of one of them in patients. Hopefully but they all have the have same symptoms. All of them. <laughs> yeah. And like, they all take the same treatment. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. Hemophilias. I'd be, it'd be interesting. I don't even know how you would do this, like to figure out how many were missing, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, if we could figure that out, I guess they wouldn't be missing. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> Marty Pant. All right. Well, I know that's not, I mean, there's, there's not a lot to kind of go over with this other than we've talked about, you know, differential diagnosis in our other episodes. So definitely t- check those out. Um, let us know, you know, if you've dealt with a hemophiliac other than Von Willebrand's, because I feel like Von Willebrand's if you've been in it long enough, you've seen one for sure. I don't know if I've ever like knowingly seen one of these factors, um, in a patient. So, 
I'm pretty sure I've seen hemophilia A in a dog, but because true hemophilia A, because hemophilia A in a cat doesn't warrant any sort of treatment. Yeah. Yep. So definitely um, check out the Eklund path um, under hemostasis disorders, inherited coagulation. That is where we got a lot of this information for this episode. Um, I looked at some other resources and it was so similar to Eklund path that I was like, forget it. We're just going to talk about Eklund path. I love Eklund path. So thank you Eklund path for being amazing and being a resource that we use all the time. We love you very much. (laughs) So, all right. Uh, anything else that you think we need to touch on? Because this week's going to be a short episode, which is kind of a nice thing. Yeah, this week is a short episode. It's the tip of the week. <laughs> tip of the week, Eklund Path. <laughs> Go there, check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Look up your red blood cells. We have been doing that all week last week. <laughs> right. Just like looking up pathology of red blood cells. <laughs> That's true. It's very true. And now for the question of the week. Question of the week, I would say, which one have you, have you ever seen one of the hemophiliacs? Yeah. I really want to know actually. Yeah. And how'd you treat it? Yeah. Did you, did you do treat fresh? it? Yeah. Did you do fresh frozen plasma or not? All right. Other guys. Than that, I think that's it. Thanks for uh, <laughs> hanging out with us while we're recording on a late Monday evening, late Monday night. And then, uh, Jordan's about to pass out like at her mini desk. Yeah, it's bedtime. (laughs) All right, guys, have a wonderful week. We promise we'll get back into like a normal rhythm once um, Jordan's not moving. Mm -hmm. Once I'm all settled. It'll probably be after you get back from here. Because that's like in two weeks. Yeah, probably. So I doubt things are going to be normal before then. No, probably not. Um, and uh, by the way, we're coming up on our hundredth episode. Just, uh, just a reminder. Um, yeah, and we're almost at eighty thousand downloads. That's insane. Thank you guys, by the way, for listening. Super appreciated. Um, we're gonna come up with some ideas for our hundredth episode. Plus, plus our two year anniversary is coming up because that's Vet Tech Week. Can't wait for that. And we're super excited because our cardiology series is coming up. Like we got some cool stuff coming up. Like it's going to be pretty rad. I can't wait. I kind of forgot about a lot of that stuff. You're right. right. All that is coming up. It's coming up really soon. So, all right, guys, we'll have a wonderful week. Hopefully your life is a little less hectic than ours. Probably not, but I'm hoping it is. And, um, We'll talk at you next week. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast. And make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.